When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you know, pump it up. Today is the day, one of the best weeks in the English football calendar. The EFL playoffs are back and it's semi-final week starting today and finishing on Sunday. The games have come thick and fast in this truncated season. We've had a slight breather and we're ready to go again. 12 will enter, 3 escape with promotion and the other 9 will be back to square one. One will join Norwich and Watford in the Premier League. Two will climb the footballing league ladder. Let's preview the playoffs, shall we? And we start off with the neutrals' favourite, Brentford, in the Championship. They come into the playoffs off the back of a, an undefeated final 10 games, winning five, drawing the other five, hold a pretty decent record against the other playoff contenders. They beat Bournemouth home and away. They got two draws against Swansea. Meanwhile, Barnsley are the only team to have their number, really, losing 2-0 to Barnsley at home. Meanwhile, picking up a 1-0 win at Oakdale. Now, Brentford are... In a record tying 10th playoff campaign, tying that record with Preston. Preston haven't gone up via the playoffs, neither have Brentford. It all started in 1991 with a Division 3 semi final defeat on aggregate 3 2 to Tranmere. They lost on penalty shootouts to Huddersfield in 1995 with Town going up there to the second tier. Lost in finals in 97 to Crewe, 2002 also to Stoke. Again, not making the second tier. They would make the semi-finals in 2005 and 2006 of the same tier, losing to Sheffield Wednesday on aggregate 3-1, similarly to Swansea 3-1. They rebounded in 2013 in League One again, losing to Yeovil and have faced two exits at the playoffs in the second tier. First in 2015, losing 5-1 on aggregate to 
Middlesbrough, who would then be defeated by Norwich. And of course, how could we forget last year, losing to Fulham 2-1 in after extra time in front of an empty Wembley. And they will play Bournemouth this time out. Bournemouth, a team hoping to make it three teams from three, relegated from the Premier League to get quickly promoted. That's never happened before. Brentford do have the slight advantage, as I say, of beating them twice in the Championship. And they've only lost one game against Bournemouth out of the last six, six occasions that they've met. There were slender wins in the two league fixtures, though. Um, first, a late winner from Tarek Fosu and the late, latter, a, another late winner from Brian Mbwemo, a 77th minute winner there. Also, they hold a... Despite those two draws over Swansea, the 2-1-1 draws, they do have um, the psychological advantage in beating them in the last year's semi-finals. Of course, they won't meet them until the final if Swansea get there as well. They are the neutrals' favourite. For me, I think it's because they've never been in the Premier League and they got so close last season. They've got a good model. They do things, quote-unquote, right. They've got a good uh, core of good core of a team, really. You've got Pinnock, Janssen, Dalsgaard, Rico Henry, Mbwemo, Jensen, Canyos. Da Silva, Fosu, and of course, how could we forget Ivan Tony? Ivan Tony, who's got 31 goals up there with the most championship goals ever scored in a season. You've got Guy Whittingham on 42. That's never likely to be beaten. You also got Lee Hughes, who we tied with on 31, and other names such as Glenn Murray, Pierre Van Hoydonk, Kevin Phillips, and of course, Timu Puki on, on uh, 29 goals there. Glenn Murray with 30. I think Brentford have got as good a team as Bournemouth and Swansea. They play attractively as Barnsley, although Barnsley style is wildly different to any team in the Championship, perhaps wildly any different to uh, a team in the Premier League, really. Um, surprisingly enough for me, Brentford weren't in the playoffs, in a, sense, in a positional sense, until December. They were counting costs for three early losses. Perhaps it was down in part to making the playoffs and the quick turnaround. Obviously, not getting over the... Uh, the defeat to Fulham in August and they would go 22 defeat undefeated in the league. They've scored 17 goals in a four-game spell, which included seven against Wickham, who, as I'm talking to you right now, are relegated, might not be relegated. Uh, we'll see what uh, Derby's points deduction is like if they do get points deducted. Obviously, he's scored three against Bristol City, four against Middlesbrough, and three against Reading. Reading almost making the playoffs there. Um, they went top and then those goals, they turned to one goal in three successive losses. They've last lost though to Norwich in early March. The last loss, they have drawn a lot though, to be fair. They chucked two goals away, two points away at Derby, two more at home to Forest. They salvaged a draw late on at Huddersfield and at home to Cardiff. But they are undefeated and in a two-leg sense, I think that'll count for them. Even though I think Bournemouth are the stronger team alongside Brentford out of these playoffs and whoever wins this for me anyway goes up. I've got a list here of the teams that went up after losing the previous championship playoff final. So Leicester in 93 bounced back from a defeat to Swindon to beat Derby 2-1. Palace likewise in 96 losing to Leicester but bounced back against Sheffield United. West Ham did the same as well, losing to Palace but beating Preston in 2005 and more recently, Aston Villa lost a playoff final to Fulham, but bounced back against Derby. This has happened in League Two with Blackpool in 1992, and you've got Tramier in 91, Gillingham in 2000, of course, rebounding from that Manchester City defeat. Millwall have done it twice, first in 2010 and then 2017, and Huddersfield in League One in 2012 after losing to Peterborough at Old Trafford. 
Swansea. Swansea are next. They are in the worst form over the last 10 games, let's be fair. Won three, drawn two and lost five. They've got... They've only got the superior record over Barnsley in the regulation league season, beating them home and away. And it, of course, is Barnsley who they play in the semi-finals. They drew at home to Brentford and Bournemouth, obviously. Drew away at Brentford as well and lost 3-0 to Bournemouth on the south coast. They do have previous with Barnsley in the playoffs, losing a penalty shootout in the League One final in 2006 as Barnsley uh, went up there. They do have a playoff win under their belt though and they're the championship winning final beating Reading of course 4-2 in that fantastic one of the last great in terms of footballing great championship playoff finals of course now they are very caging that's to do with the money increase and everything that comes with that Swansea of course last year were knocked out in the semi-finals by Brentford over two legs Swansea haven't lost to Barnsley in 15 years so obviously the 15 years was that League One playoff final there, a penalty shootout. So technically not even a loss there either. They've got seven wins and five draws over the 13 championship games that they've played with one another. Steve Cooper, though, does have experience at short-form tournaments and it's probably been rammed down your throat enough, but he did get to the under-17s World Cup win in 2017, also reached the final of the Euros earlier that year. He's since utilised players, former players from that ilk at Swansea. Rian Brewster, of course, did a job last season. Brewster, though, he's been replaced by Jamal Lowe. Got for an absolute steal from Wigan. And Lowe and Andre Ayew, I think, are as good as any strike partnership gets in the EFL. I like Lowe a lot. He's come very good this season. Ayew, as well, he's banged in 16 championship goals. And I think he's only going to stay if they go up because his contract's up at the end of the season. They have got a lot of players for me in the team ready to step up, make the step up to Premier League. Got Freddie Wood, Woodman in goal, Connor Roberts, Jake Bidwell, Matt Gould, Jay Fulton, Corey Smith, Matt Grimes. And the season began quite well for Swansea. They were in automatics by October. They beat Stoke, Blackburn. They've had the odd losses away at Norwich, which Norwich is fine. Losing to Norwich, the best team in the league by quite a distance. Middlesbrough and Derby as well. But after Christmas, Cooper and Swansea got going, wouldn't lose in nine, returned to the automatics, but have fallen off a cliff since shocking defeats to Huddersfield and Bristol City with the, at the wrong end of the table. And Bournemouth, Cardiff, Birmingham, Preston also took wins off Swansea successively. It killed Swansea's promotion hopes, automatic hopes, dead in its tracks when it looked as though they could, could go up alongside Norwich, but their momentum is fairly dead in the water. But as I say, Cooper's got experience at short form tournaments. Will he be able to get them up? Obviously it didn't work last year. Um, playing a very, very esoteric Barnsley team. And a Barnsley team who, like Brentford, come into it with five wins off the back of the last 10 games, but they have lost three of those. They don't have a great record against the other Playoff teams lost at home to Bournemouth 4-0, lost at home to Swansea 2-0, lost at home to Brentford 2-1. And as a result, they don't hold the superior record over any team, really. Uh, they've got a 1-0 win at uh, Griffin Park, or rather the uh, community stadium, the new community stadium there. Uh, so two 2-0 two, two losses to Swansea could be an omen for Barnsley. Barnsley, of course, have won their last two playoff campaigns. We've got the, obviously, aforementioned penalty shootout win over Swansea. The win over 
over Millwall in the 2016 League One final as well. The last time they were in the second tier playoffs, though, was their only playoff misery, really. The 4-2 defeat to Ipswich, who, of course, went on to bigger and better things, finishing fifth in the Premier League the season after. Meanwhile, Barnsley couldn't bounce back from there. What is their only Premier League season from 97-98? Perennially... If I can spit that word out, Barnsley for me are a league 0.05 team, if that makes any sense. A bit like neighbours, Rotherham, really Rotherham, who of course went down again. They're too good for League One, not good enough for the Championship. And why they're here in this season is pretty much an absolute fluke. Let's be honest, they beat Brentford on the final game of the season last season, relying on Wigan's points deductions to keep them up. And that narrative kind of got stopped dead in its tracks this season. They have been relegated or promoted in four of the last five, four of the last seven seasons. And the last season was one that they stayed up was one of two championship survivals finishing 21st. And obviously they finished their best season was 14th in the 2016-17 season. And this, of course, is their strongest position since 2000 playoff campaign that ended with a loss against Ipswich. They, off the field, they quickly owned by a consortium who also own four other clubs. They turned Nice in France over for a decent profit. They've also got teams such as uh, FC Tun in Switzerland, Nancy in uh, France, Edgeburg in Denmark, also in similar situations. Sort of they go for the top half of second tier teams in primary countries or teams like Oostend in Belgium, uh, underdogs there. Alexander Blessing, he's been earmarked to sign for Sheffield United, but unfortunately, yeah, doesn't look like he'll be able to sign on, on work permit issues. Um, Barnsley have gone for like European coaches in the not too distant past. Daniel Stendel, Gerhard Struber, headhunted, and now Valerian Ismail, the uh, former Crystal Palace defender and former Ella Lask Linz manager, who took them to a Europa League last sixteen last season, where played in. England lost to Manchester United in that one. Um, Bansley didn't have the perfect start, to say the least. Not winning until game eight. Gerhard Struber being headhunted by New York Red Bulls. But under Valerian Ismail, they play an exceedingly high press, high turnover game, high tempo. They'll win some, they'll lose some. It's always fairly spectacular. In Ismail's first 18 games, they won 10 and lost eight, so no draws. And that sort of run got Bansley into the top half and thanks to a bit of good fortune, really, it was transfer deadline day. Daryl DK was making his uh, senior debut for the United States national team, and that earned him enough points in terms of a, getting a visa for Barnsley. Signed on loan for Barnsley from Orlando City later that day, and the 20-year-old has scored nine goals in 17, and Barnsley won their immediate next seven games to complete that surge up into the playoffs. And whilst... Brentford and Swansea have started, sort of stuttered after that. Barnsley took 41 points from 51 available since deadline day. Uh, another key player, Alex Mowat, he might stay if uh, Barnsley go up, but it looks like uh, there's some uh, wandering eyes across the EFL and perhaps even the Premier League for his signature and his contract is up in the summer. And he, to be fair, he, he's appeared to be on the move for quite some time really. And it would be a shame if it didn't, if it isn't, if he's spelling South Yorkshire is to end this season, it would be a shame if he uh, wouldn't go up to uh, complete the, the fairy tale for, for Barnsley. 
And the fourth and final club in the championship is, of course, Bournemouth. Arguably the form team of the out-of-the-playoff contenders, winning seven, the most out of the four teams. Finished it off with three losses, though. And in terms of having a superior record, the only team they don't have a superior record of, as uh, translated from the regulation season, is Brentford. And Brentford is, of course, their semi-final opponents, losing home and away. But they did get a win over Swansea, 3-0 at home. Drew, down in South Wales, got a fantastic win away at Barnsley, as we've said, but did lose to Barnsley at home, 3-2. Also have previous in playoff campaigns. Their only playoff campaign victory came in 2003 in the fourth tier, League 2, as what it is now known. Now a 5-2 win over Lincoln in the final that year. They've also had a semi-final heartache in League 1, losing on penalties, to Huddersfield, shout out to regular listener Harry Holland there who got on the pitch in the ensuing celebrations. Um, how did they get here? Well, Eddie Howe, he had a dream of minus 17, but he left last summer following relegation. And like Watford and Norwich, Bournemouth have kind of prevailed out of this, uh, the summer just gone from a lack of teams being able to snap up their talent. But they, they have had quite a lot of players leave. Jefferson Lerma, Dominic Solanke, David Brooks, Philip Bingham, Billing, Dan Juma, they've all remained. Those players are all too good for the championship. But Bournemouth did pick up £80 million from sales of Nathan Ake, Aaron Ramsdale, Callum Wilson, Harry Arter, Dan Gosling, Josh King, they're all gone too. So it is a fresher team, uh, but that didn't stop Eddie Howe's understudy's old assistant. Jason Tindall, he succeeded him. Uh, he was gone by February though. A decision that was seemingly stunning stunning at the time that Bournemouth were, I think they were 7th or 8th at the time of his uh, dismissal. Even more stunning was the decision to succeed him with Jonathan Woodgate, albeit te- uh, temporary initially. Woodgate, of course, he was sacked by Middlesbrough last season because they were scared of relegation. Obviously, they had that new manager bounce from Neil Warnock. And it was around this time, January, February, um, the two wins out of 11 saw them out of the playoffs they'd lost once just once in the league before Christmas and Woodgate has since cobbled together a run in April winning straight to confirm playoffs obviously since they've gone off the boil but that's due to uh, financial tinkering really Philip Billing has been a surprise fine source of goals I mean, he's been playing a bit more offensively there five goals in those seven games those seven wins Dan Juma also in the goals with six their standout player for me at least what might stick in Bournemouth fans' minds, though, is that 1-0 loss at home to 10-man Brentford. Um, for me, they cannot afford to miss out. They're reliant on their Russian owner, uh, Maxim Deman. He's now owed £126 million, obviously low interest, might even not even repay that loan. Uh, they've had a pre-tax loss of £60.1 million this last season, just gone almost double from the previous season. Obviously, that's in line to come with a revenue drop from 131 million to 95 million. Premier League relegation was always going to cause that. Uh, the TV money, though, made up 88% of their earnings, which is no way sustainable, as is their wage to turnover ratio, which increased from 84%, which the, I think the safe zone is probably between 50 and 60 on the high end. Uh, their wages to turnover increase last season went from 84 to 113%. They did sell a lot where they had to. Um, the wage bill presumably has dipped below 100 million now. Another factor is they don't own their stadium. They're clearly not as commercially viable as most in the Premier League or even in the uh, Championship there. And it is 
could be maybe do or die for Bournemouth. I'm not going to say that they're going to end up in the sticky situation that they were in when Eddie Howe took over down there at the bottom of League Two, but this could be a real turning point for Bournemouth and uh, Woodgate in general. They kick off their, their playoff campaign later this evening against Brentford at home in the first leg. Barnsley and Swansea also on today. And the return legs, 12.30 on the 22nd of May, Super Saturday, Brentford versus Bournemouth. And later on that day, Swansea versus Barnsley at half five with the playoff final being on May the 29th. And I asked Twitter, who is going to get promoted from the championship teams? 41% of you said Brentford. And that is where I'm going to hang my hat to. I think Brentford have got the most exciting team, perhaps the best team Maybe Bournemouth have better players, but I think that Brentford will beat Bournemouth and whoever makes it through that semi-final will win. Despite my Yorkshire allegiances for Barnsley and uh, I think their brand of football will be exciting to watch in the Premier League. I think they could, realistically, I think they could do a Sheffield United. Maybe not finish as high as what Sheffield United did in the first season, but it'll be somewhat of a shock to the Premier League teams if Barnsley can go up, keep DK perhaps with that £20 million release clause that he's got. Um, it could upset quite a few Premier League teams next season, but that is, of course, for the YouTube and for my What If series. After this short break, we'll be dropping down a tier to the League One, see who's going to get promoted there, and League One is very, very competitive these days. Welcome back. Now, it's the turn of League League One and first off, Blackpool finished third in the division behind Hull and Peterborough went up automatically and Blackpool in quite some form under Neil Critchley winning six of the last ten have a superior record over Sunderland and Oxford, Oxford crucially who will who they will play in the semi-final. Lincoln are the only team that they haven't got the head-to-head record on losing at home 3-2, drawing away at Sinsel Bank. And Blackpool, out of the teams, out of the 12 teams that make up the playoffs this year, have the best record and have one of the best records in British football, really. They've won five of their eight playoff campaigns. 92, they got out of Division 4 with a penalty shootout win over Scunthorpe. 2001, they went up another other tier um, to the third tier again beating Leighton Orient 4-2, went up to the championship in 2007, beating Yeovil, and of course, the 2010 championship final, beating Cardiff 3-2. Most recently, they've since dropped down all the way back to League 2, of course, and they beat Exeter, of part, one of part of uh, Exeter's successive losses in the League 2 playoff final, beat them in 2017-2-1. There have been playoff final defeats, first in uh, 1991 in the old 4th Division to Torquay, again on penalties, and... Perhaps the beginning of the end for Blackpool, that 2-1 defeat to West Ham in 2012 in the Championship playoff. And also see a defeat in the semi-final of the old second division, of the second division, which is League One now, um, losing to Bradford 3-2 on aggregate in those semi-finals. So Oxford, they've not conceded against Oxford again this season. Oxford, who they'll play in recent history, they've probably lost more than what they've won against Oxford head-to-head-wise. They had gone 17 years without a game between the two, surprisingly enough. And uh, since the 2017-18 season, which since they've uh, found their their way into the, into the same division in League One, Blackpool, as I say, have a 
one of the best records in England for playoff games. They've won 70% of their playoff matches, which is just a phenomenal number. And you think of the high stakes, high pressure environment of the playoffs. They're also the only team to win the playoffs in each of the divisions. And going into this match against Oxford, they have lost just one of 15 playoff games. And that was the 2012 Championship playoff final defeat to West Ham. After a roller coaster drop off, as we say, from that championship final defeat, Blackpool found themselves in League Two. Gary Boyer took them up to mid table obscurity. They'd gone through Terry McPhillips, former boss Simon Grayson. He had a he had a crack off it as well. Finally, via a caretaker spell from David Dunneal, Critchley took the reins before lockdown Critchley, a former Academy boss at Liverpool, of course. He had two matches before League One was declared null and void. Blackpool were marooned on thirteenth on points per game. This was, I think this is probably the turning point for Critchley because it gave him time to mull things over. They had a run of four wins, four four games without a win after Christmas this season. Blackpool were 14th. It looked as though it was going to be the same again in terms of the league position in League One. But then Blackpool went on a run, for me, that is only, only sort of eclipsed by Bolton that we've seen in the second half of this season. Perhaps Bradford as well, they had a pretty good run after changing their manager midway through the season. But Blackpool were fantastic. Jerry Yates got vital goals in wins away from home against Portsmouth and Charlton in February. Yates joining joining permanently in the summer and he's been their most prolific goal scorer, hitting 20 goals. I think it's the type of player that Brentford would pluck from the lower leagues to mount a championship promotion if they fail. And obviously even Tony gets, uh, gets uh, sold, which looked... He's the Ollie Watkins scenario, the Saeed Benrahma scenario there for Brentford. I'm not trying to sell Jerry Yates before they've even got promoted, but that, that's my opinion. Blackpool have been unlucky. They conceded in late draws against Crewe and Wimbledon. Could have really gone up automatically, really, when you think about it. Um, Jerry Yates getting another winner at MK Dons. Blackpool going 16 undefeated. Got another two against uh, promotion hopefuls. Peterborough did... Uh, Yates there, and that 3-1 win was enough to drag Blackpool into the playoffs. Um, they've stayed there ever since, ever since that win on match the 23rd. They've had six more undefeated. They've beaten Sunderland, beaten Swindon, beaten Gillingham. They've got the double over Sunderland, which probably the two strongest teams in the playoffs, in the League One playoffs, and they come out, come out into the playoffs with the second best form out of the four teams. Oxford, of course, have racked up quite the run together. But as we'll discuss later on, Cal Robinson, their manager, won't be on the touchline. And we go to Sunderland next and contrasting form, Sunderland have won just one, just two in the last 10. Hold a superior record only over Lincoln and Oxford. Got a couple of defeats off Blackpool, as we say. And a bit like Brentford, Sunderland have an absolutely atrocious record in the playoffs, let's be honest. Four successive losing finals. The old second division losing final to Swindon, which has an asterisk beside it because Sunderland may have lost, but they got promoted anyway. So even when they uh, lose the game, they get promoted. But as we go in closer to the 21st century, obviously that that um, fantastic playoff final in 1998, losing on penalties to Charlton after a 4-4 draw, um, didn't win that final either. Lost to Crystal Palace as well in 2004. And of course, that sickening late defeat in 2019 to Charlton, as you may have seen if you've got a Netflix subscription. <laughs> and Sunderland will play Lincoln, home advantage, last thanks to a late, late Carl Winchester equaliser against already relegated Northampton, which took them from 
fifth to fourth, giving them that advantage. Lincoln was uh, Lee Johnson's first game in charge, which was a 4-0 win for the Black Cats at Cinsel Bank. Johnson has reinstated Aidan McGeady's back in the squad as the assist master, uh, left out by previous manager Phil Parkinson, which McGeady's probably, well, he's not probably about his better than League One and the fact that he was left out it's just mind-boggling don't even have the words for that McGeady and Charlie Wyke have combined to absolutely deadly effect Wyke's the second highest top goal scorer in League One behind Peterborough's Clark Harris of course a sad note is that Dean Sanderson will miss out injury cruelly ruling him out of the uh, the playoff campaign looks like he's played his last Sunderland match of course he's on loan from Wolves maybe if they go up they might be a get a fee for it I'd Probably not. Um, I think the only thing that can stop Sunderland, apart from form, is their weight of their own expectations and obviously their atrocious zero playoff promotions from five. Well, zero playoff final wins from five. They got promoted, of course, in 1990, but as I say, asterisks. Since the Netflix documentary, keen eyes have been on the behind-the-scenes stuff. You've got the, the Chris Coleman slinking his way out of a secret Santa to eat a quality street and then obviously that ending with almost a fist fight outside the ground when he's he's, uh, he's not a prick, he's got six kids, that sort of thing. And obviously the circus continued with Stuart Donald and Charlie Meffin. And they've been replaced since by a new owner, a, a Frenchman born in the mid-90s, Louis Dravis. And his father has a history in the game. He owned Marseille for a time and now they're, I think he's 24, maybe 24, 25. And... Thankfully for Sunderland fans, this ownership has perhaps alleviated some of the financial worries if he does come good. Obviously, we've, Sunderland have had um, promises from ownerships before. Stuart Donald, um, notable for that as well. A couple of months before this uh, ownership takeover, Phil Parkinson was the manager, a man with playoff experience. He'd lost two semi-finals, had a playoff final. Well, he was a manager before the uh, playoff final with uh, Bradford had League One promotion with Bolton. In came Lee Johnson. He'd improved Oldham and Barnsley at League One level, kept Bristol City afloat in the championship, took them to, a, of course, a League Cup semi-final, beating Man United and then losing to Man City. Sunderland, he had to transform Sunderland from being draw specialists in League One for a while. They draw too many games, that's why they've not been promoted in the last two seasons. Johnson finally curbed this, though, in his first few months, winning nine, drawing two from 11 games. He was seemingly on the brink on the brink of automatic promotion, but the form stalled around Easter. They went seven without a win, losing to Charlton, Wigan, Blackpool. The Blackpool defeat's obviously crucial because that would have won those games and they're in a, a battle with Peterborough for that second automatic promotion. Instead, they're playing Lincoln. Lincoln, who've won four of the last 10. Lincoln, who lost also to Sunderland in the EFL Trophy. Semi-final with Sunderland winning on Penalties, of course, Sunderland going on to win that. They do, Lincoln, have a superior record of a Blackpool beating them away. They beat Oxford at home and lost to Oxford away. And like Sunderland, they have an atrocious record in the playoffs. Six playoff campaigns, zero promotions. And bizarrely, they went in the playoffs in 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7. All in League 2, all defeats. First off, they lost a final to Bournemouth 5-2 in 2003, which we spoke of before. Went out in the semi-finals to Huddersfield, who would then go on to be promoted in 2004. Again, lost to Southend in 2005's final. We've had semi-final defeats to Grimsby in 2006. 
and Bristol Rovers in 2007. They took a year out, they took a decade out from the playoffs, went down to non-league. The Cowleys took them back up, lost to Exeter in the semi-finals, 3-1 Exeter, of course. Would lose themselves. Is this going to be the fairy tale story of the League One playoffs? In spite of the uh, Cowleys' departure and the budget being in the lower reaches of League One, uh, lower budgets than some in League Two, Lincoln started off like a house on fire. They won seven of their first nine. They'd beaten the Oxfords, Charlton's, Blackpool's, Ipswiches of this world. Any rocky patch that they hit in sort of two or three game spells without a win, they'd bounce back immediately. Under this adversity, they'd cobble together multiple wins on the bounce. They'd return to first place and they looked as though they were going to go up even as champions or even as uh, automatic promoted club and until February. And that's when the form took somewhat of a nosedive. Three wins in 15. They dropped out of the automatics for the first time in four months with a loss to Plymouth. And the end of that barren spell was a 2-2 draw at home to inform Blackpool. Since then, though, they've kicked on. Three wins without conceding against Bristol Rovers, Burton Albion resurgent, Burton Albion under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and MK Dons, MK Dons, who have got a very good team way of playing under uh, Russell Martin and for me could be up there next season. Lincoln pretty much confirmed the playoffs in late April in spite of a loss to champions Hull at home. Michael Appleton, who took over in September 2019, recently signed a, a four-year deal, which in League One terms, four years is... It seems precarious to me, uh, but Appleton does have a promotion with Oxford under his belt um, five years five years ago now in League Two. Almost had them straight into League One playoffs after that. Lincoln, of course, have followed a similar pattern under the Cowleys. Appleton, though, also has a relegation with Portsmouth, but I think that can be excused. It was under the duress of administration, the, the uh, aftermath of the dropping out of the Premier League and after short terms for Appleton at the likes of Blackpool and Blackburn in the Championship, is League One his level or is he going to rebound, go back up to the Championship and make that his new level with uh, Lincoln? I mean, in the Championship, if you think Lincoln have got a budget in the lower reaches of League One, they definitely they'll be like um, akin to Wickham, really. And Wickham, as I say, could still be in for a Championship survival this season. Oxford is the, our fourth and final League One team and Oxford, whose only playoff history came last year and a defeat in that final to the aforementioned Wickham Wanderers. Wickham who sealed their first season in the second tier. Meanwhile, Oxford haven't been in the second tier for quite some time now. Over the three other playoff clubs, Oxford hold a superior head-to-head record of it. None of them lost home and away to Sunderland. Beat Lincoln 2-1 at home, but lost 2-0 away and have taken just one point off Blackpool Oxford are on their way back from non-league in 2010. That was their playoff final win against York. And since the playoffs began, Oxford have usually gone up automatically. They went up in 1996 from Division 2 and 2016 from League 2. They snuck into the playoffs last season, kind of, uh, before the curtailment of the season last season. Four wins taking them up from 10th into the playoffs. And they've done similar similar this time. Uh, but this season, they started absolutely horrifically. They lost seven of the first 10. They were in in the desperate relegation battle uh, by Christmas time. But the turn of the year, saw them string together. Seven straight wins. Got a bit of a COVID break, three-week COVID break there. 
Carl Robinson, though, his side, he went through a bit of a sticky patch in March. They lost to Hull, they lost to Blackburn, Blackpool, lost to Northampton, Sunderland, Accrington. And by this point, you're thinking that they're lingering more in mid-table. There was a whole host of teams around that sort of ilk that were looking to get a bit of a push into the playoffs. You've got Portsmouth, who were odds on in the playoffs. That didn't happen, obviously. Accrington with a surprise package. And Ipswich, obviously, with the folklore that goes around, the history that goes around that club, they were expected to, you know, bounce back up. But in recent weeks, Oxford have been, in and amongst the goals, been exceedingly attacking. They put six beyond crew, four beyond Shrewsbury, a couple of three twos as well, entertainers. Um wins against Gillingham and Plymouth had had them flirting with playoffs before the couple before the end of the season. And um those big wins had them above Charlton, another big team looking to bounce back into the championship. They had them above them on goal difference quite comfortably. And a win coupled with a bit of a favour from Accrington would take them into that final playoff spot. Accrington of course Playing Portsmouth, who went into the final game of the season in sixth place. They put another four goals beyond their opposition. That rejuvenated Burton Albion under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And that favour did come from Accrington. Adam Phillips scoring. Portsmouth did pepper the goal, but Portsmouth couldn't find that goal to keep them in the playoffs. Losing 1-0. Oxford sneaking into the playoffs. The only club out of the three divisions to sneak into that playoff berth on the final day. And... Unfortunately, the other side of the coin is Oxford have only won four games against teams in the top half of the seat on top half of the table. One of those being against Lincoln at home. Perhaps going gung ho is the way to go in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen classics like Swindon, Sheffield United, and I think it was that five four or something like that. Sheffield United have had some fantastic games in the playoffs, high scoring games. Is that the way to go? Is it more a stringent defensive unit that you need? If they go up though, if they do go up, they'll have to do so with Carl Robinson in the stands, the manager. He's have he's got three matches remaining on his touchline ban and I can't seem to think of a manager who's had a touchline ban for a playoff final before. Please let me know if you've heard of that before. And Oxford open up the League One playoffs with a match against Blackpool tomorrow evening at six o'clock. The following day at six o'clock again is Lincoln against Sunderland before the return fixture for Oxford on the coast against Blackpool Friday night 7.45 and Super Saturday the middle of Super Saturday is the return leg for Sunderland and Lincoln at the Stadium of Light 3 o'clock bang in the middle of Super Saturday May the 22nd and 8 days later bank holiday Sunday League One's playoff final I asked you I asked my Twitter followers who would go up 45% of you said Blackpool so Sunderland destined not to be too big to fail in this playoff campaign. Again, maybe their playoff record goes against them. Maybe Blackpool's record goes for them. And I, I'm i of the same... I'm in agreement with our Twitter followers. I think Blackpool will go up. And it is that... It, just, it shouldn't make any sense that um, results from the 90s should matter in 2021. But it, it's the playing the team rather than the occasion, really. I think Blackpool will go up. They've got a very exciting manager in Neil Critchley in form as well. I don't, I, it's intangible. Sunderland, like Brentford, just cannot get over the line as well. Lincoln as well. Lincoln have a worse record than Sunderland in the playoffs. I just can't see... I think it will be Blackpool and Sunderland in the final. Maybe I can't see Oxford beating Blackpool despite their home record, their recent form rather. 
Um, Carl Robinson not being in the, on the touchline does does help Blackpool. Um, I just can't see, I can't look back, back past Blackpool. And Blackpool and Sunderland in the playoff final would be very, very exciting. Perhaps the most exciting of the playoff finals. And will Sunderland's uh, record at Wembley, ending that record at Wembley with a win in the John, uh, Johnson's paint, the Papa John's trophy, nice pizzas. Will that ending of that hoodoo help Sunderland? I'm not entirely sure. So I think I'm with my Twitter followers here. I think Blackpool go up. And after this short break, we'll round it off with the old fourth division, League Two. Who's going to go up out of the the basement of Football League Two? Join a very, very strong League One next season. Welcome back. So we have in League Two, Morecambe, the fourth place team, almost could have had the last automatic place off Bolton on the final day. They do go in to the playoffs of the form team as part of the four playoff teams in League Two, winning six of their last of their last ten games. However, however, they do not hold the superior head-to-head record over any of the other three teams. They've got losses at home to Newport and Forest Green against their uh, against their name. Also lost at uh, um, away at Newport as well. Drew in Gloucester against Forest Green. Have a couple. They've shared one nil wins against Tranmere, so it's dead level. The head to head there, so it's not really, it's not really superior record. Um, it would have gone down to penalties if that happened in the semi-finals. Morecambe's only, only EFL playoff campaign at least was a League Two semi-final against Dagenham Redbridge, losing seven two on aggregate, an absolute six nil pump in there in the first leg. I seem to remember. Morecambe have never been relegated. And of course, that doesn't mean anything in terms of playoffs. But it does mean that fourth place in League Two is their joint highest positional record in the club's history. Morecambe began this season magnificently, winning four of the first five, a 3-2 win at Oldham, taking them top Oldham. Troubles on and off the pitch, Oldham always very entertaining their games I think they've got one of the highest goals scored also one of the highest goals conceded as well Morecambe bottomed out at 14th by December which is uh, bizarre to think now after just two wins from 11 uh, one of those was the away win at Tramia there Derek Adams though he's turned it around he got four wins on the spin before New Year and they've largely been in the playoffs or lurking around ever since they've been very consistent probably the most consistent out of the other four teams in the playoffs here a 1-0 loss at home to Bolton was the sickener for the Shrimpers, really. That could have made a strong case for the automatics. And as we know now, at the end of the season, that would have taken them up. Bolton have been the form team of the division, as I said in the previous segment. Bolton have been on some amazing run under Ian Everett. Ian Everett, who had been... The arrival of him from Barrow in the off-season, that promised so much and they were I think it were the 21st or 19th it was a, they were near the bottom of the table and they've obviously gone on to gain automatic promotion so that that game at home to Bolton was always going to be tough and in terms of Morecambe their only playoff besides that 2010 loss to Dagham and Redbridge was in the conference in the 2006-07 season where they beat York and Exeter obviously to go up Derek Adams, though, he's lost in a playoff final before. He lost the League Two playoff final to Wimbledon in 2016, but he also has a promotion under his belt to League One in 2017 with Plymouth. 
up north, he's got two more promotions on his CV, both with Ross County, taking them from Tier 3 to Tier 1 in Scotland. And it could have been a very difficult job to take over at Morecambe because you've got the long-standing Jim Bentley at the club. But Derek Adams equaled Jim Bentley's record, the highest position since 2010. Morecambe, for me, are the form team of the division. Carlos mendez Gomez, their form player. And I think if you look at the teams who were still, the other three teams, Tranmere, Forest Green, Newport, they were still fighting for that last uh, those last three playoff places on the final day. Morecambe have been home and hosed. They were more focused on automatics. It just does seem like Morecambe are cut adrift from the other three. But of course, that means absolutely nothing in the playoffs. Newport County, the Exiles, they come into this playoff campaign with just two losses from the from the final 10 games. They've got a superior record over Morecambe, two, uh, two wins home and away there. Like Morecambe, though, they traded 1-0. One 1-0s nil. One with Tranmere, and 1-0 was the scoreline against Tranmere in their only EFL playoff campaign, that 2019 League 2 final heartbreak in the dying embers of that match against Tranmere. Also, Forest Green hold, Forest Green, who they will be playing in the semi-final hold, the head-to-head record over Newport. Two relatively new clubs in the EFL and um, both were in the 2019 playoff campaign. They're both of their only uh, only playoff campaigns in the EFL. The historical re- league record between the two since the uh, both came into the league or since Forest Green rather came into the league in 2017, it, it can't be split. They've got two wins apiece and three draws. And... Added interest into this game will be uh, Liam Shepard, Newport's centre-back. Uh, he signed from Forest Green Rovers last summer and with his one-year contract, obviously COVID times and general lower football league times, it could be one of his final few matches. could be his final match for the club if Forest Green go up and obviously maybe he'll, maybe he'll stay with the club if they go up like so many others that we've discussed. Mowat, are you? Since the Exiles were exiled in 1988, they've competed in two playoff finals, obviously that 2019 one, but their first came with their reintroduction to the FL, beating fellow Welsh team Wrexham, uh, good old North versus South battle there in the 2013 conference final, beating them late in the day, 2-0. Michael Flynn, their current manager, he's earned his managerial place really he earned it first with a great escape turning his interim spell into a permanent spell in 2017 since the, they've recorded three top half finishes in the three subsequent completed seasons at least and they did have that chance to play in the third tier the third tier they last played in in 1987 with that with that loss to Tramir in the League 2 player final obviously they've uh, become semi-regularly on the uh, on the old BBC on the FA Cup recording uh, Cup upsets against the likes of Leeds, Leicester, Middlesbrough, and they've taken the likes of Newcastle and Brighton and Hove Albion to penalties recently. Obviously, they had that game against Manchester City as well, which earned Flynn quite a lot of plaudits. Historically, though, they've got the worst ground in the EFL for postponements, Rodney Parade, that they moved back to a few years back. Um, the cup runs in terms of the money gained from that, the TV money gained from that, has helped them improve it slightly. They spent a couple of weeks away in Cardiff this season to improve that. As such, I think Newport's weakness does show in the winter and they lost their long-held first position at the top of the table, losing, uh, winning rather, 1-12 in 12 and dropping dropping even out of the playoffs from automatics to the playoffs and out of the playoffs in March. 
and only their second home win of the season wasn't even at home. It was, as I say, the Cardiff City Stadium, a 96th minute penalty against Bradford City, a bit of a smash and grab there. And they had to play two games there due to the the stadium that because the in the process of renovating the pitch and making it easier to take in water and of course I think it's been over the past five or six years Welsh Wales is notoriously uh, rain sodden at the best of times and um, yeah Newport's Rodney Parade seems to take the brunt of that quite a bit since returning to the playoffs so in April Newport have pulled their act together losing just uh, losing just the once in April and May and needed a draw to confirm a playoff place on the final day and did against Southend, relegate, relegated Southend. Um, didn't even need the draw in the end, but uh, they were safe as um, other results came in for them. Forest Green, they come in to the back of the season with a managerial change again, like a team we're going to talk about in a second. Forest Green have a pretty decent record over the other teams in the uh, in the playoffs with them. They got to, they took four points off uh, off Morecambe. They took four points off Newport and traded wins with Tranmere Rovers. Tranmere, who, like Newport, were uh, victims of Tranmere in the 2019 playoffs, losing in the semi-finals, 2-1 on aggregate to Tranmere, did Forest Green Rovers. And um, how did they get here? Well, the uh, the self-sustainable, vegan, doing the right things club, the Innocent Smoothie Stadium, they finally got promoted to the EFL in 2017. They were reprieved in that non-league spell from relegation twice owing to the uh, financial doom of other clubs in 2005 and 2010 and finally ending their 19-year stay in the National League in 2017. And that promotion was third time lucky, three successive promotion playoff campaigns there. The 2015 semi-final lost to Bristol Rovers. 2016's final lost to Grimsby, Grimsby that season. Losing the FA Trophy final to the mighty Halifax Town, I seem to remember. And finally beating Tramia. So that 29 defeat, 2019 defeat to Tramia in League Two was ample revenge for Tramia as uh, Tramia lost the original playoff final in 2017, 3-1 at Wembley. Forest Green Rovers mainly have they've maintained a place in the playoffs effectively all season, um, but that didn't mean that they can't change the manager. Matt Cooper's days were numbered after one point from six. Cooper, of course, he got. Forest Green Rovers promoted, had them on the cusp of the automatics and that is probably where they should have been. I mean, you've got teams like Salford chopping and changing their managers because they've got similar designs on getting up to League One. Tranmere as well, which we'll talk about. Um, They've been on the periphery of League One for quite some time. Cooper, Matt Cooper clearly can't do it. Um, There is rumours that he might not even be able to sustain a League Two job in the future. I think that's a bit harsh, really. Interim Jimmy Ball, interim manager Jimmy Ball halted the slide with a late 3-2 win against Scunthorpe. Um, they would go a bit of a run without scoring, obviously, owing to that absolutely horrific injury to Jamil Matt, which I still see in my nightmares. Um, <laughs> they uh, had two goals draws and a two loss at home to Barrow, who were keeping the head afloat at the other end of the, uh, the, other end of the table. And that had Forest Green outside the playoffs. But in the penultimate game, 10-man Forest Green bounced back the beat Tramia. Probably a big reason why uh, Keith Hill lost his job there at Tramia. Um, Forest Green returned their playoff status, needing a win at home to Oldham. On the final day, they were made to wait, but 3-0 win plus Tramia's failure to beat Colchester meant 6th, not 7th. And ultimately, the easier playoff game in terms of Newport and not Morecambe, which for me, as I say, Morecambe is the, the standout team of this of this 14-pack here. 
the downturn in form is likely because of the the player of the season nominee Jamil Matt. He got injured, and yeah, as I say, that's her. Don't look at that picture; it's absolutely horrific. I've previously snapped my finger in the uh, hinge of a wheelie bin, and it's not fun at all. And to do it on numerous fingers. Yeah, it makes me sweat just thinking about it. Uh, without him, goals have been very hard to find. And should they be promoted, I've no doubt that Jamil Matt will be re- will be there in League One, returning hopefully, healthily at the start of the season. In his place, though, you've got Aaron Collins. He's bagged in the last two games, three goals in the last two games, steering Forest Green Rovers into the top seven. And finally, will it be fourth time lucky for Forest Green to go up? I'm not Forest Green and Newport for me is a flip of a coin. I mean, that could go anywhere, like most playoff games are, admittedly, but they are very, very even. And Tramia going to the playoff, our final team that we're covering today, with an absolutely horrific record and off the back of a managerial sacking. Two wins from the last 10 draw specialists because they've drawn five of their last 10. Traded 1-0 wins with Markham, traded 1-0 wins with with uh, Newport as well and traded wins with Forest Green. So no real head-to-head superiority there for Tramia. Did win their last playoff campaign though, beating Newport. And in the mid-90s, Tramia were very, very achingly close to the Premier League. A bit like what Brentford are doing at the moment. They lost in three successive what is now the championship semi-finals losing to Swindon 5-4 in aggregate in 93 losing to Leicester in 94 Reading in 95 and they since have dipped into the lower reaches of the football league and obviously subsequently the National League lost a playoff semi-final in League 1 to Hartlepool Hartlepool looked to be on the up coming into the coming into the football league they lost on penalties to Hartlepool Hartlepool would of course go on to lose to Sheffield Wednesday so after two wins from the first 10 games, all the way back at the start of the season, if Tramia fans can remember that, Mike Jackson was relieved of his duties. In came Keith Hill, the long-term Rochdale manager. Hill had, he'd worked wonders at Rochdale. He'd got automatic promotions from League Two in 2010, ending that historic, historic run in the fourth tier of English football. I think it was 34 years at the end. And obviously they got relegated, they bounced straight back in 2014. Keith Hill had lost two playoff finals to Stockport in 2008, 3-2, and Gillingham in, in 2009. So that automatic promotion was really third time of asking, really, for Rochdale and Hill. They've been to Wembley before this season. They've beaten Peterborough. They've beaten Oxford, promoted and in the playoffs of League One, respectively. But in that EFL Trophy final, which I must stress it was this year's edition, not last year's, they lost to Sunderland, helping them end their Wembley hoodoo. Um, Sunderland again, playoff team in League One. So the, the the losing to, the facing and beating and losing these teams that are in the division above and at the top of the division above. Back in League Two, Keith Hill oversaw a push to the precipice of the playoffs. He'd beaten the likes of Grimsby, Carlisle, Oldham without conceding his first few games. New manager bounce, you might say. Um, a similar run in January. Five wins took them from 15th to the automatics. That's a testament to how how tight League Two was this season. Uh, they looked quite healthy for automatic promotion and that's probably where, that was probably Keith Hill's downfall, the expectations from Tranmere to get promoted automatically. But a rotten month followed that. No wins in seven, drawing five, losing two. They saw him bounce into the playoffs. And that's been a story of Tranmere really not getting over the line in games and drawing too many games. They 
did return. They steadied the ship with 1-0 wins over Bradford and Barrow. Teams that are really in mid-table and lower reaches of the table, really. The shining light for them this season is James Vaughan signing from Bradford in pre-season. He's scored absolute buckets of goals. Um, they will go into the playoffs as the worst form team, but with James Vaughan there, you've always got a, uh, a player who can come up with something at the drop of a hat, really. But form has gone off a cliff in the last few months. Keith Hill has admitted difficulties with the team since losing that Papa John's final to Sunderland. I still can't take that trophy, that competition seriously with that sponsor. Regardless, training hasn't been a joy, apparently, for either the players or the manager. And there's been a rumour circulating around that Tramia chairman Mark Palios was going to sack Keith Hill regardless of playoff qualification, even promotion. And regardless, Keith Hill was sacked. Tramia fans on Twitter that I follow were seemingly seemingly happy with the situation seemingly happy with the decision Ian Dawes comes in as caretaker manager and if Ian Dawes previous caretaker record is translated onto this playoff campaign Tranmere will be promoted because he had five games at caretaker level before won four draw drew, drew one so I mean there's new manager bounce and there's new manager bounce isn't there I mean it will be spectacular if they do it I mean it does throw another curveball for this playoffs where I say Morecambe are cut adrift as the strongest team. But then you've got an intangible here with uh, Tramia's manager being changed late on in the day. Similar to Forest Green, really, but that's been that's been set in stone for quite some time now. But it does make things even more interesting going into the League Two playoffs. Tramia will begin their League Two promotion campaign, hopefully, with Morecambe at home on May the 20th, 6pm, with the return leg on Sunday, where both League 2 semi-final second legs will be played. Half 12 for Morecambe against Tranmere and half 6 for Forest Green, Newport. The first leg of that fixture, Newport and Forest Green, will be played tomorrow night at 8.15. I asked Twitter, and again, Twitter sided with me, or rather I sided with Twitter, the Twitter followers who say Morecambe with 34%, so a little tighter there, um, which is akin to uh, League Two as a whole, really, this season. Morecambe are going up with 34% of the vote. So, as I say, yeah, Morecambe are probably... They've got the best manager out of the four. They've got probably the best team out of the four. Form, best out of the top four. But the playoffs, as we know, doesn't work like that. doesn't work like that with all. I've got some stats to leave you on today in this special playoff preview. So since the playoffs were four teams from the same division, which was 1989, they had that bizarre little spell where it was a bit like European football, where you got the lowest team not already relegated into the, yeah, I hate that format completely. doesn't work. Um, So in tier two, so the old, the old second division, first division slash championship, the team that have won the playoffs, the majority of the time were from the highest position. So, third in this instance which means Brentford with that's 34% of the time that's happened and obviously it sort of cascades down 28% from the second lowest position so that's Barnsley in this instance and 19th in the lowest position so it it goes to form there really Um, but crucially in League 2 in League 1 rather it's quite weird 28% of the teams that finished lowest position so in this instance, Oxford in sixth, they win promotion, whereas only 34% of the teams from the highest position, third, Blackpool, they win it. So it, 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 
it goes to show sometimes that sneaking in does help a lot. I mean, in, in League Two, it's a bit different. 44% of teams that finish just outside, so Markham, they get promoted. So there is a sense with League Two, especially with um, the top three being promoted and then fourth place, that fourth place dropping out or reaching fourth, they are deservingly the next best team, especially when you're playing seventh place, which in a 24-team division does make sense that they're going to be the more likely team. The further down you cut it, I think the the higher team in the playoffs will get promoted. But again, it, it's just a crapshoot really, isn't it? In terms of records, the most finals out of the teams are, of course, Blackpool with seven finals, winning six of those, uh, five of those rather, and Blackpool's five playoffs wins is the most out of the 12 teams. And I think it's the most in terms of English football history. Most campaigns, we've got Brentford, as I say, tying Preston's record with 10. Semi-finals lost the most. The team with the most semi-finals lost is, of course, Brentford as well with five. Thank you for listening today. We've got an exciting month or so ahead for the channel. New things, new platforms. Just keep in tune with that. We'll be covering the European Championships every day. We've got a video locked and loaded for each of the 24 teams previewing them all on YouTube each day on our podcast feed every day through throughout the European Championships from previewing the tournament from the June the 7th right the way through to the conclusion of the tournament we'll cover each and every day of the European Championships following that we've got some restructuring to do but news of that will come before the end of the month in the next week or so we've got season reviews of the Premier League and European leagues so you've got your La Liga Bundesliga Liga Serie A until then, see you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.